ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank, sponsored by Suit Up. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now for the Pro Nola segment, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Gus Cattengale. And uh, Gus, I, I, if if you if somebody named Gus Cattengale played on the Timberwolves and no one had ever heard of him, all he would need for a career highlight is to play the Pelicans because, man, man, oh, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know what it is, but the worst game of the season was back on January 23rd when they played the T-Wolves, and, and last night might have, like, topped it. It, it, was, just, it was just that bad. Um, I would say it's inexcusable, but the problem is, Scott, that you did actually see this in the first half of the season. And seeing it in the first half of the season should have given you some pause or at least some understanding of what to not do, right, Um, to start the second half of the season. And what I think is dumbfounding is you go back to, um, what is it, Wednesday's practice in which they practiced and Stan Van Gundy said he thought it was a sloppy practice and that they didn't have a good practice. So it was almost like a precursor of what you're going to see. Look, that team, Scott, what, they ended with seven wins going into it, right? The, the absolute last team in the Western Conference. They've taken three games from you, and, and two of them have actually blown you out of the gym. Um, so I open, I'm going to open up my today with the following. And I don't know if I'm the first, but I, I get that there is a certain level of courtesy and probably you know understanding or whatever but I, I just think here's what I'm getting at I'm done Scott of blaming the players I, I'm done of blaming Bledsoe you know taking a set three not even hitting the rim um, I'm done of blaming Lonzo Ball's inconsistency even though I saw a stat on Stat News on Thursday with three pointers I know three, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? But He's got more made threes this year than Bradley yeah. Beal, LeBron James, and, and others, and, and an actual higher three-point percentage, which is Devin just crazy. Booker, it's exactly. just nuts. It's which, just nuts. And then, you know what I said after I said it on the show, Scott? Tell me one of those players that you would choose Lonzo Ball over. You wouldn't. So sometimes stats can be deceiving, I guess, or at the same time you look at it and just say, but but it's not working. Um and it's not even whether it's him or not or, or he's helping those things, right? Um, Scott, before I tell you what I'm opening my show up, I, pr- I go to the precursor, the NBA All-Star game on Sunday. And if you watch that game at all, and it was tough to watch, and I get it, you know, some, a lot of people aren't big All-Star game fans and whatever. But there are three takeaways I had. One, that I absolutely believe that Zion belonged on that court. Um, he he is one of the best players already in the NBA. I think how he does what he does works. Okay, um, is he LeBron? Is he Jordan? Is he all that? But what he does works, right? I mean, no one said that Shaq was the greatest of all time, but he was one of the best big men to have ever played. So, what he does will work and can work, and you can win with him. Um. I saw three things that stood out. The other was, hey, you can't get the kind of publicity with the style of play that Zion can play that you got there. You saw their own little segment that they did on him, and now he's going to get better and all that. That's all great. But the overwhelming thing that stood out to me was as opposed to other all-star games that I had seen, Scott, I saw what used to be Dunkapalooza and tough to watch because all everybody ever did was just dunking alley-oop, was nothing but a three-point competition. And when you're watching and seeing, Scott, I mean, players barely crossing the half-court line and knocking down threes, I'm not picking on them. I'm sitting there saying, clearly as day, if you do not shoot the three or defend the three, it's just like you can't win in the NFL if you don't have a quarterback that can make plays. It literally, to me, is at that point. Because you can dominate the panel you want. This is how I would defend the Pelicans. Zion scores 70. Go ahead. Do it. But I'm guarding everybody else. 
I'm making sure that Alonzo doesn't get his confidence and get his rhythm going. I'm making sure that Brandon Ingram, who for some reason sometimes, even though everybody keeps telling me it's the same numbers as last year, doesn't look like the same player at times. Um, so, and Bledsoe is Bledsoe. And look, here's the thing. When you look at all those things, that's what stood out to me about the three balls. And then, not surprisingly, you saw this week, Scott, from Adam Silver to national talk shows to national guests, the three-point line, the three-point ball all of a sudden has become a topic, and the league is going to look at it at the end of the year, whether it's going to allow more hand-checking or move the three-point line. Something looks like they're at least going to look at it, maybe even address it. So with all that in the background, this is what I'm opening up the show with. I'm not at all anymore going to blame the players. Um, at some point in time, just like you would do with – an AD, a head coach, or a top administrator, you have to start looking at the roster and who put it together. And David Griffin has had a pretty good, you know, start in terms of, hey, let's see what happens and what he does. But if you're looking at that roster, that these are the consistent. Again, I'm not even going to game stuff as in, Hey, this guy had a good night or a rough night or the other team, you know, that will they have a good player? The CNBA, every team's going to have a good player. Every team's going to have a three point shooter. Every team's going to want to win the game. You either have to match it or you find somebody else that does. Right. So I'm opening up with this at some point in time, David Griffin's going to have to be questioned and put under the microscope as to the roster and dumpster fire he's put together. Okay. Because we can sit there and say, oh, this player can do this. Or that. Okay, here's the reality of it. You had two really good players. Two really good players in Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. He was the one that traded both of them or oversaw the trade. We knew that had to happen. I agree that that had to happen. And I agree that that was the direction this franchise had to go. You had to make sure you made the right moves, though. I think you and I talked about it repeatedly. Pels fans were so engaged, Scott, repeatedly as to which team should go. Is it the Celtics? Do you use the Knicks? Do you do? We all looked into that, right? My four-year-old son could have drafted Zion, so he gets no credit for that. But in that first draft, he drafted Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He also made the move with the Lakers. That's the team he chose. No one forced him. That's the team he chose. Those are the assets he got in Hart, in Ingram, and in Ball, and the draft picks. And by the time my son's 15, those draft picks might matter because the Lakers are not going to stink until then. That's why I never liked that move to begin with. And my old thought was, if LeBron doesn't want to play with you, why do you think that that's what you want to build a team with? Look, I'm not saying that Ingram isn't good or Ball isn't fine. I'm just saying when the guy whose sole responsibility and job in his life is to win a championship doesn't want you, I mean, I have to think about it, right? But that's what he chose, man. And maybe it was because he wanted to have a nice or better relationship with Clutch. And I don't know. But there were other teams. That's what he chose. So, whether I like it, whether you like it, whether it's the right move or it was not, that's what's on the ledger, right? He was with those players um, and those draft picks. The Drew Holiday trade, Milwaukee, okay. It was Hill, it was Bledsoe. That's what you got back. And, again, more draft picks, which, again, in the NBA, they mean nothing, right? I mean, you literally have the uh, eighth pick overall. You know, I, 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 I can't – I'm sorry. I can't say they mean nothing. I can't go that far. I mean, I can't say the well, draft picks I'm, mean nothing in the, in the NBA. Okay, well – Okay, not anywhere like the NFL. No, that, that, that is correct, I mean, 100%. Okay, what, what I'm saying is this. What I mean, mean nothing, what I'm saying is in the NBA, I could pick one, two, three, or four. It's a three- to four-year wait for that player that you hope develops. And I'm talking about not your generational player, right? Sure, Look, sure. LaMelo is doing well this year. Okay, um, you know, Zion's doing well this year. Okay, Hero did as well this year. But when you look at the other players – I mean, Barrett's going to be fine later on. You know, you saw Booker take some time. I mean, you're seeing all these players, they take time to develop. So that's what I mean. The point is, you know, you have to at least construct and hope that they, 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 they hit. And look, I get the draft. You know, it hits and misses. The Saints hit and miss. And the Saints have been one of the better teams historically in picking right. 
My point is this. He made those two trades. That's what he got. He chose Bledsoe, not Hill. He chose that team with those assets, with those draft picks. That's what he chose. He chose the Lakers. He chose the Bucks. He chose those players. He chose those draft picks. And that, this is the roster he constructed together. We went two months where some dude named Willie that became Billy, Hernan Gomez never saw the floor. When he saw the floor, he was substantially better than Jackson Hayes, your eighth-round pick. Why didn't he see the floor? So when you look at all those different aspects of it, it's, I go back to last Thursday. And last Thursday, Scott, in Pelicans Weekly, he answers the question from Todd Graffinini about the fine line or the balance between playing young players and trying to win games. And he got agitated. And he said the phrase that I think ticked off a lot of people. And he said that the young guys have to earn those minutes. So here's the problem. Threefold with that. A, his own head coach is saying when you only have in the second half of the season 11 practice, because of the way the schedule is, you don't have time to practice, you can't get better. So I do understand that. But if that's the fact, Scott, where are they going to earn their minutes? Brandon Ingram, before they played on Thursday, said, when we have an off day, it has to be an off day. Like, you're off. You don't do anything. You stay off your feet. Lonzo Ball said the same thing. It's like, you don't do anything. You have to rest. Brandon Ingram brought up, in the schedule coming up in the second half, you're going to play six games in nine days. There is no practice. Right, right. So, where where are young players to earn their minutes if you don't play them? If they're never on the floor, and, they, and, you have so you've got what? I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just to illustrate your point further, you've got 36 more games in the next what 65 yeah. days. There's a le- I, yeah. first of all that number is nuts. They have 11 more scheduled practices the rest of the season. That's it. Correct. That's it. Correct. So to Correct. your point, okay, if you're not practicing much, then where? And when you're in practice. You're still trying to be competitive. You're still trying to game plan. You're still trying to say, what are all the things we've been awful at, you know, aside from getting, you know, our asses beat, excuse the language, I shouldn't say that this early in the morning, by the the T-Wolves who, you know, didn't even have their best player on the 23rd and who best player had a bad game last night. Basically, you know, a borderline G League team is making you look like the Washington Generals. So there's probably want to work on and clean up after horrendous performances like that. Oh, but by the way, Mm -hmm. you need the young guys in there so that they can earn practice time. Well, when are they going to do it? Because you're trying to fix these other things. It is a... um, yeah, the, the fact that, that, that he got a little short with Graf, and we, we, I said it last week, you know, Griff, the, the honeymoon period's over for him, and I said he does need more criticism for some of his moves. Now, this was last week, and you agreed, and, you know, they've only played one game in the last week, and it was last night, and maybe they'll come yeah, but, out and, but, and turn things around. I have no idea. They're, they're a bipolar team. They might come out in their next game and, and play great. This is a team point. that beat the, the, the Jazz. That's you know? my point. That's my point I'm trying to make, Scott, is that gameplay, if you have the talent or you don't have the talent, I can understand that, man. Right? I can understand that you have to build a roster, you have to find better players. I get that. It was the second part of what he said in that answer to Graffinini that really rubbed me even worse. It's the aspect of the fact that um, this team's number one issue isn't talent at times because they show it. It's consistency and So if you're telling me these young guys, Van Gundy himself last week going into the All-Star break, Kyra Lewis can't see the floor because his defense isn't good. Are you watching your starters? I mean, are you watching the other guys? So the guys that have, quote-unquote have earned their minutes don't show up and play hard. And don't do what you're asking them to do on defense. Why are they playing? And the other element that really rubbed me the wrong way, the third one, was when Griffin said, well, you know, those players, um, you know, we're, 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 you have to win. Those players, you're trying to get them to win, and they have to understand and, and, and want to do that, and we're not trying to tank. No one's saying that. The criticism from media members or fans to play Kyra Lewis and not more isn't because they think that that's going to give them more losses, Right? I mean, when the Cavs and, you know, when Washington and some of these other teams are doing that, you clearly saw they were playing players because it gave them the better opportunity to lose. People are wanting to see those players on the bench that Van Gundy's not playing in games because they think they're actually better than the guys that are on the court. 
So now I will preface all of that by saying I don't watch film. I don't, I'm not in the rooms with them. I'm not at practice with them. So I don't know, but you, you are really going to have to sell me like the best sales job ever to tell me that what they do in the facility seven blocks from my house is so bad that games go by where some of these young guys don't play. I mean, that, that's my problem with that. So that's why today my point's very simple. This is the team this individual created, period. So we're going to criticize this team. We're going to be angry with this team and the lack of consistency. I mean, there's no reason they had to wake up today, drive down to the arena, and play. They didn't have to travel. They didn't have to do anything with Minnesota did, and, and they got whooped by a seven-win team. So, you know, I mean, Van Gundy said it Wednesday when he was asked, what did you see out of them in practice? Were they motivated to be back? And listen to the end of the soundbite. At the very beginning, he goes, I don't know. You'll have to ask them. When the head coach doesn't know and is telling you in almost coded language that he doesn't know what guys are going to show up or not and be motivated, that is a massive problem of roster construction. So say what it is. So when the coach is saying that, why is, he, why is he still playing some of these guys? There's because no way he's talking about every guy that just because, isn't playing. You know what correct, I mean? Scott, and that's why I'm bringing up David Griffin to that answer. Because in that answer, there was clarity. In that answer, the clarity was the following. I'm saying do this. That's what we're doing. He's telling his coach that's what he wants because he thinks he knows best. I'm not saying he may be wrong or not, but there's no other way to look at it. When the head coach says, I don't know, I don't know if these guys are motivated or not, and then you get shellacked at home, then you tell me. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Look, Bledsoe's Bledsoe, man. Ball is ball. He's consistent. He's not. He, you know, Ingram sometimes is there, sometimes he's not. Um, Adams is what he is, man. I mean, he's a good defender. He's going to be your offensive guy, and that's fine. But, you know, again, if, if you're going to tell me that the, the guys that you made the trade for, are, are the, those are the guys you chose. And those are your draft picks. Those are your draft picks. So, you know, what I'm saying is this. Yes, the players, yeah, you deserve the blame for getting whooped, not taking shots, and not playing well. At the end of the day, that's the roster that was constructed. That's the roster that was given to Stan Van Gundy. And the person who created that roster and put the roster together, and again, I go back to it, and it can't get lost, made the trade with Anthony Davis and made the trade with Drew Holiday, and he could have chose any team in the league to trade those two players to. That's what he chose. So at the end of the day, the blame and finger there. I mean, period. There's no other way to look at it, Scott. I mean, that's as simple as it can get. He had two players, one really good player that absolutely helped win a world championship, period. That's what he got. That's what he chose. That's what he thought was best. And what you're seeing is that roster does not work in today's NBA. It doesn't work. They're not good players. They don't have the energy. They don't buy in. Whatever the reason is that you want to say it is, it doesn't work. So, if this season is already it is what it is, and it's a wash, then why aren't you playing the young players? And that's why I was as adamant as I am right now about it. You know, when you hear that last week, this guy has drawn his own foot and drawn a line in the sand and said, this is my way, and this is how I see fit, and you better like it. And when he calls the people on Twitter to Twitterazzi or whatever it is, it was almost indignation to an extent. I'm like, okay, I get it, man. You're, you're kind of... You know, you kind of stuck out your chest a little bit there and said, look, man, I know better than you guys out there on your blog, the message boards, and and your Twitter feed lines. I know what I'm doing. Gotcha. Well, if you want to own it, then you need to own it because that's an absolute garbage roster right now to what you're seeing in terms of effort and energy and putting it out there. At times, this team can beat the Bucks. At times, this team can beat the Jazz. At times, this team can beat any team in the NBA. So why are they not being consistent? All right, they, 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 they might they might so get rolled again game. tonight against Cleveland and then beat the Clippers Sunday night. Right, it's just it, the problem is there is no outcome that could surprise you with this team, and it speaks to 
the bipolar nature of effort one night, not the next, and then you get into the young talent and everything else. Um, bro, I mean, I hate the phrase, it is what it is, but it, it is what it is right now. That's yeah, Gus Katgill, our, yeah. our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. we got to talk some Saints. We're going to do that. Um, I know that Gus is, um, is, is, you know, I know he had a good cry last night when marking a one-year deal with the Texans um, and was not returning to New Orleans. You know, you wanted him to go back to the Saints so bad just so you could just make jokes about me. But um, but but might the Saints need a running back other than Kamara? Because I'm not so sure uh, he'd be around much longer based on the things that are happening around the Saints cap right now. We'll take this quick timeout. Find Ty Montgomery, baby. Ty yes. Montgomery. And Dwayne, and, hey, and Dwayne Washington. And Dwayne, Dwayne Washington. Washington. The, <laughs> the great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up. We're coming right back right after this. We got uh, STM head coach Danny Broussard later in the show. His team playing for their fourth consecutive state title tomorrow. Seth Lewis, my friend from KTC TV3. We're going to chat with him as well. Don't go anywhere. Gus and I talk some Saints right after this. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN1420.com. All right, welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. For those listening on the Listen Live player, the ESPN 1420 Live on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app or in connected cars, smart speakers, wherever it is, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Gus, the Saints having to go the extra mile to get below the cap. You know, we talked about it last week. I said it wasn't Armageddon, um, but that, you know, they <laughs> – if they really wanted to keep a player, they'd find a way. Uh, and by really, I mean like really, really. But you said, look, they're going to have to make some tough cuts. I didn't disagree with you completely, but I'll say this. Okay, the Sanders cut did not surprise me. Um, they could, Regardless of what anyone says, they were trying to restructure with Janoris Jenkins. Okay? Like they didn't want to cut Emmanuel Sanders. They really didn't want to cut Janoris Jenkins. I mean, that, that release yesterday... Uh, and look, I guess his agent was smart. It's like, don't. I mean, test the open market. Take a one-year deal somewhere because you can make a pretty good chunk of change this year. Maybe hit the market again next year. Maybe he signs a multi-year deal, but he's good enough. And um, I, the, the Saints right now to me have a gaping hole at cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore right now. Yeah. Um it was what I was saying last Friday when you were telling me that basically Gumbo would be, you know, let go and Sir Saint would have to find you mascots. Like, dude, I said, I said, I said, I said Malcolm Brown. I no, said Emmanuel I Sanders. I, I mean, no. I, you know, I, I, but, but I was wrong. I look in Quan Alexander. Everyone saw that coming. I was wrong. I thought, I thought they were going to find a way for, for Jenkins to stick around. And I was wrong about that. I mean, I'll own that. So, so here's the thing that's interesting. Cause I got a lot of calls this week. Oh, this is this is to you know they're setting up something big. This is for Russ. This this is this is for something big. They're gonna make them. I'm like, no, they're they're not they're not doing this to get 20 million under the cap. They, they still got 24 to 25 mil to go in order to be able to just operate. Um, so I'm gonna use LSU football last year, and I know it's two different sports and two different teams. But you remember last year, you had a lot of the LSU contingent saying we're going to be fine, Coach O, next man up. Huh, the phrase. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, no, I, no. I, I brought up that phrase a ton that Sean Payton's actually done a very good job of building that to be something that's been sustainable to where, yes, if an injury occurs in game, yes, if an injury happens the week before a game for a game or two, the player that steps in is good enough to help sustain temporarily. When you, and I went through the list on our show yesterday, Scott, and, you know, say what you want about Josh Hill. He was absolutely key in the run game. Say what you want about Thomas Morstead and, you know, Quan with the injury, Morstead, you know, letting go because, you know, he keeps saying he was injured, he had an eye issue and all this. I'm like, I get all that, but, I mean, you finally found the second receiver, and you had to let him go. You're releasing your starting quarterback. We can go back and forth on Jared Cook. Yes, he was from Belusky, um on games, but that's also seven touchdowns. And in that first Tampa game, he doesn't make that big play on the top of the screen uh, for that big play, you know, to, to kind of open up that game. I mean, he made some plays. 
you cannot consistently let go of starters and be the same team. LSU had, what, 21 players out of 22 or something like that. It was 14 in the NFL. You can next man up me all you want. Those guys hadn't played. Those guys hadn't gone through the hardship. Those guys hadn't got their brains beat in by Bama to be motivated. Those guys hadn't done anything but put on the uniform, walk around with all smiles thinking they're going to be Tigers. They hadn't done anything. Um, it takes time. You saw towards the end of the season, you weed out the ones that want to be there or not, you weed out the ones that actually care, and they finish strong. And I think they're going to have a nice season. But my point with the Saints is this. You consistently move on from players that did a lot for you, and let's say, as you're you know, bringing up good points, Malcolm Brown, been talked already about a trade for him. That's $5 million that you can save. Davis Murray, four to six, depending on if it's a trade or if it's a release. Um, that's almost 10, you know, or more that you can save. Those two players likely won't be back. Well, Latavius Murray is a nice back. And in several games last year, Sean Payton actually used he and Camaro with double-digit carries. And Malcolm Brown absolutely helped the Saints stop the run better no when doubt. he was in and was not and, out by and, injury. And on top of that, you're probably about to lose Sheldon Rankins to another team as well, and that's another detail. Right. So that's another. Now he's a free a, he's a free agent, but you get my drift. They're not correct. like they're probably not going to be but, able to, to to re-sign him. But that's my point. That's my point. You're that's another player though that when you go out there and take on a team that you depended on. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, I understand that. Like, here, here's what I need to. Here's, here's what I'm waiting on, because I, I don't, I don't disagree mm-hmm. with your points here. Um, yeah, from sure. a competitive standpoint, they're, they're, they're. It's, it's. I don't think they're going to be a team that, you know, we've seen win what 49 regular season games the last four years. Now, I don't think they're going to be an, a horrendous, awful, bad team either, but. I'm anxious, Gus, because obviously, look, we're talking about the Saints. It's Gus Catgill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Brazier. Show sponsored by Suit Up. Like, the amount of other veterans that are going to be on the market probably looking to sign one-year deals. Like, once you get to the official new league year and you're below the cap and then teams start making moves, how many guys around the league, because we've seen it on the Saints like you, you, I think you quoted it last week. Um, maybe it was Diana Rossini or someone that had spoken to uh, a G- that used the word bloodbath. Right, whenever next Monday comes, it's going to be a bloodbath, and there are going to be so many releases. Like, there, the the Saints are undoubtedly going to take a hit. How many other teams are going to be losing key veterans? How many guys are going to be playing at other places on one year kind of prove it deals? And how many are, if any, going to be on the Saints next year? Like, this is the tough part for the Saints, without question. What comes next? How many guys can you convince to sign off the bargain rack? And I think that's what a lot of teams are going to be doing. There, there are some teams that have more space than others, but all are operating with less than they thought they would. So knowing that this year's cap is low and next year's cap, and, and a lot of folks read into the Dak Prescott deal. Look, Jerry Jones, he's in on the TV negotiations. He knows how big of a deal this is going to be. The cap's going to go up. Believe what you want, but the, the point is, I do think a lot of agents are going to say, take a deal this year, go somewhere where you think you can get some playing time, get some shine, and uh, and then you know let the market reset itself next year. So Saints are losing a lot of guys. How many decent, you know, bargain shopping guys can they get? You'd rather be in the position where you don't have to do that and you're able to keep the guys. I'm not suggesting this is a great spot, but I'm I'm really anxious, Gus, to see not just what the Saints do, but all the teams in terms of like, okay, okay, that guy's not like first team all pro, but we've seen that guy. We know it. He's a quality starter. He's only getting what? I think there's going to be a lot of that around the league next week. No, no doubt, and it's something that I think we touched on last Friday, and it's something that I've made a point a ton this week on our show here in New Orleans, man. I said, look, it, it just it is what it is. I mean, you're, even for teams that have millions under the cap that can go shopping, some of those players aren't going to have roster spots, right? I mean, just because the Colts or Jags and all these teams have it, okay, well, if – if they already have a starter that they like at that spot, then just not going to sign you, just to sign you. Um, 
So there has to be A, an opening. B, there has to be the money that, you, that you're looking for. Um, and there's only so many teams that have that kind of money. I, I legitimately think what you're going to see this year is not, I wouldn't say teams saying, hey, bleep it, we'll see in two years. Obviously, every team, every year, it's business and it's competitive nature. You're going to try to win. I'm not saying the teams aren't going in here this season in 2021 trying not to win the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think you have to look at, like David Griffin said, the long-term plan, right? Um, I used a lot this week the Spurs as an analogy where, you know, what's made Popovich in San Antonio, which, by the way, is a different team when you don't have Duncan and Robinson and Parker and Ginobili, right? you got to have good players. Good players make you good coaches and good teams. But what I'm getting at is this. They went on this ridiculous streak, man, uh, of what, 21, 20-plus years of, of playoffs. I think the Saints have to look at it from this perspective, and this is what I've been telling Saints fans. Um, you just said the phrase earlier. It is what it is this year. I am okay. Come to peace with me. Pop open a nice beer. Enjoy your Sundays. This is what I told LSU fans last year. Relax. Okay? You didn't have full stadiums last year. You're not going to beat Bama this year. Just enjoy it. Sometimes, you know, you forget how, you know, it's seven-hour days to go see an LSU game all day in the morning. You got to get there for parking, watch the game, and it's two hours to get out. Just enjoy it. This time you got to watch it at home and barbecue and spend time with your family and have friends over and do it different. I think this year, enjoy it for what it is. Um, but I think the most important thing the Saints need to do is build to where they can be a consistent playoff team in the future. If you're moving on from Drew, you're moving on from the all hands on deck, we're going for the Super Bowl. They've done that the last four years, three years, really, and they didn't get there. It's not easy to do. It's not promised. You know, even if you go get Russell Wilson, is your roster going to be good enough? To, to, to win, and even if you think it, the Kansas City Chiefs didn't lose many games last year. And what happened when it got to the Super Bowl? They basically had you, me, the guy that sells your cracklings to send to me playing the offensive line in the biggest game of the year, and they lost. So you're not guaranteed, and they had Pat Mahomes. And guess what? He was hurt. So you're not guaranteed with everything you can do and all the beautiful planning and all these great players you can get for it to happen. I mean – it just fell that way for Tampa this year. It just fell that way for some teams, and you look at it. So it's not a guarantee. So I think you, you have to almost breathe and think clearly, right? It's just like, hey, we're getting this new stimulus in. I've already approached the wife, a.k.a. the accountant. Hey, I'd love a brand-new shiny tea. There's nothing wrong with your 55-inch. All right, what, what about, you know, these new Joe's tennis shoes are fine. He's got this in Brooks. I mean, you, you need to just – Look at it for what it needs to be. I would rather – look, you have a massive question at quarterback. Massive. Okay? You're going from a Hall of Fame quarterback in a position in the NFL that if you don't have a great one, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Period. It's not happening. So you got to figure that out. And I mean in the next three to five. So you have to figure out if the guy you're going with next year, if it's Jameis or Taysom, can they, or you got to give them a year or two. You got to see what they can do. And then you then you figure that out. Oh, you drafting one? It's gonna need a year or two. Um, what are you doing with your line? What do you do? Who are your foundational pieces on defense? I love the guy. I love the latest Instagram video where he's in skates and his hair flowing, and Cam Jordan's a face of this franchise in a city and community. But he's Drew Holiday. He's a tradable commodity in peace probably this year or next year. So. You know, you, you look to say it, admit it, you busted on Marcus Davenport. So you need to find pass rushing on these ends within the next three years. Um, I love Cam. He was non-existent this year and in big games. So this team has a ton of questions they need to answer over the next two years. So from years three to eight, they can be a consistent playoff team and then go do that. Two of the teams in your division are resetting. The Falcons are probably going to draft a quarterback. The Panthers are letting everybody, you don't listen to what Matt Rule said on Thursday and Wednesday, they don't want Teddy Bridgewater. They want a quarterback. So they likely might get 
two of the top four quarterbacks are going to be in the draft this year. Tampa, at some point in time, is going to reset as well. You have the opportunity, because I think you're still a little ahead of Atlanta and still a little ahead of Carolina, to just remodel, as I said a couple weeks ago, your bathroom and your kitchen. They're pains in the butt. They're going to cost you the most. But at the end of the day, it's going to provide massive value to your property. So do it right and, and build it. Build it right. Build your line. Sign your foundational pieces. Find your quarterback. And in two to three years, be a continuous playoff team like you had been and make a four-year, five-year run because you're set. It would be a very bad decision if the Saints, oh, we just could try to band-aid it here. And pay. Look, yes. You still want to try to win games. I still think this team can win 8 to 10, maybe 11 games. I don't know. i got to see what the roster is and who's on there. But I just think you have to wait to see what you're going to be in the next couple of years. You have massive decisions to make. And more importantly, who is your quarterback? And I'm not talking about this upcoming year in September. I'm talking about the future because that is how you're going to build your team. Is your quarterback – you know, uh, Orion Tannehill is your quarterback of Mahomes. Is your quarterback Justin Herbert? I mean, what kind of quarterback do you have? Is it going to be a pass base? Is it going to be something where it's going to be RPOs? Is it going to be something that you're going to need your backs? Um, are your tight ends more important? Do you need the receivers? What kind of defense are you going to try to employ? What does your division look like with these new quarterbacks that are coming this year? So I, I, I almost look at it like this, Scott. Just fill out a roster this year, see where you are, and then next year when the cap goes up, next year when you have some clarity, because everybody I've talked to, and, and, and you have Nick on, huh? I mean, Underhill, I mean, he's probably one of the most in-touch people with them that yep. I know, and he's been sounding the alarm this week. Don't look at this year. If you think this year is bad, he said, wait till next year with the Saints. So... Mm-hmm. That's what Saints fans aren't comprehending. It's not this year. If you're seeing well, all d- these d- starters d- yes. on this year, wait the next year. The next year, next because, year is so the most dangerous. Is the most dangerous one, and and Saints fans saying, better so Saints case, fans better hope and, that the 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 salary cap is astronomically higher is much, much higher than what they got to hope that the 17th game brings in Buku money, that the new TV contracts are worked out, and they're even higher than all of the projections. And and even then, you're going to have some tough ones. But, yes, the 2022 cap, if there's any kind – like, they weren't expecting this. No one was. I mean, no one was expecting a pandemic, right? Now, once the pandemic started, you knew, okay, the 2021 cap is going to be low. If there is anything – I mean, let's hope and pray there's not a pandemic. But if there is anything – that puts a giant dent in what some are hoping is going to be, obviously, the highest salary cap ever in league history next year, then, my friend, I will say, okay, that Armageddon word folks have thrown out there, it's on. It's on. And even even if it's just as high as maybe some are expecting, they're still, yeah, you're right. It's Next year is when they're, you're going to say, boy, they just had to let go of, of some some players that, not only still have it on the field, but mean that much right. to the franchise, mean that much to the yeah. fan base, can still play, right. and they had to, they right. basically had to just walk away from them. Scott, Cam Jordan's probably not going to be here at the end of next year, right? I would say prob- probably, oof, I mean, probably, okay. probably not. I mean, not in 2022, probably? I mean, and that's what I'm getting at. Is I, I just, I, it just w- when you think of it like that, um, I don't know, maybe I live in the world of budget planning, man, and trying to live within the means and understanding long-term so where it doesn't hurt. Just um, And, look, I could be wrong, and I get it. They've done a masterful job, and they've done all of these things, but at some point in time, you cannot kick the can any further. And, and I just think it's just, you know, I, I used, actually, you'd appreciate this, you're a baseball guy like me. I used the Cubs as an example. Um. They're a team that every now and then would make a playoffs. You know, there's some Brano years and all that. And they, what did they do, Scott? They blew it up. Blew it up. Got prospects, draft picks, built Iowa up. And literally they called up from Bryant to Baez to you name it. They called up the third baseman, the shortstop, the second baseman, the left fielder, the catcher, pitchers. And then they brought them up to Chicago over a two-year period. And two years later, they won the World Series. 
What are the Braves doing right now? The Braves, remember? They blew it up. They stunk. What did the Padres do? They blew it up. They stunk. They built it up. And, and now both of those teams are playing much better and competing for the NL crown. So I, that's what I'm getting at. I, I don't think the Saints have to go that drastic, but I, I think the Saints and I think Saints fans have to almost want that. Hey, we made our run, man. It was good. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. It was a nice run. And we saw 13-win seasons. We saw a 12-win season. We saw a season four years ago that no one expected with some nice draft picks. It was a fun ride. That is so much better than the Bengals or the Jaguars. Or that. It was success. It was successful. Did you win the Super Bowl? No. It's hard. The Chiefs didn't win it this year. And the Chiefs are a much better football team. And um, I just... I just look at it as, hey, make sure that you can be the Spurs. You know, be the Spurs. Make, make, a, make a go for it this year, man. Hey, it'd be great if you're pushing for a wild card spot this year. That'd be great. It'd be fun to look at. It's the first year post-Drew Brees. You know, it, it's fun. Okay, great. Then you have an offseason, a cap that goes up. Might have to make another tough move or two. Get a draft pick or two. And then in 2022, now you start to see the seeds of a, of a new foundation building, and in 2023 you're back into maybe a four-year run of being one of the top teams in your division because that's the one thing that's beautiful about the NFL, when your division you're in, period. It's that simple. So, you know, do that. Like I said a second ago, you, you have a head start on the Falcons, I think, and a head start on the Panthers, but they're trying to go find their franchise quarterback. You don't know what you have at quarterback. Sean can try to tell me all he wants about Jameis. That's great. Hopefully that is him. It saves you a step. But even if it is him, you then have to build your team differently for him than you did for Drew Brees, I think, to an extent, okay? So you have to give him time. So that team that's going to best suit Jameis Winston will be on the field in two years, not this year and maybe not even next year. Then you got to find that defense because if it's not Cam Jordan, well, then who is your pass rushing help? It isn't Marcus Davenport. You're not going to pick up the fifth-year option by May. Was it May 3rd? You have to pick up that fifth-year option. It's $10 million. Are you giving that guy $10 million? I'm not. So now you got to go back to the drawing board. You're not going to pay Trey Henderson because you have the money. So you're, you're looking at two years from now not having your two defensive ends or trying to find two defensive ends to do that. DeMario Davis is probably going to be on his way out in two years, if not before. So who's your linebackers? Which is why I want Zayvon Collins. Do you go with J.C. Horn at corner? Um, to pair up with Lattimore. Are you going to be a you know, man defense on the outside corner and then kind of work maybe your defense differently to maybe say 4-3, 3-4, that suits you. So these are all things I think the Saints have to figure out over the next two years. And I just think it's a complete change of philosophy and mentality, I think. I could be completely wrong. I know what Mickey Luna said at the Senior Bowl, that he doesn't envision a scenario where they're not going to change it. That is fantasy land. Um, uh, unless they completely prove me wrong, all the guys they release come back inside one year deals, and it's the same team. Jameis Winston starts, or they get Russell Wilson, and this team is back in it. I will eat my crow gladly, and I will buy you the cracklings. I just don't see that happening realistically. Gus Cagnell has been our guest, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Oh, man, I appreciate the time this morning. It is uh, an interesting transition right now for the Saints. And the NFL as a whole, 2022, excuse me, 2021 season is going to be fascinating. Quarterback standpoint, the draft, all of the veterans that are going to be looking for one-year deals or, you know, let's put it this way, four-year deal, but uh, years three through four are, two through four are voidable, right? right? You know, like, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't know, man. I, I think there's some people that know the cap. There's some that don't. Um, but I think everyone's into it right now, and see what happens next, man. I mean, by the time I, I, I get off the phone with you, maybe they've released three more players. But in the meantime, brother, yeah. I appreciate the time. You guys go give Gus a follow on Twitter at gcat underscore one seven. Most of you already are at gkatt underscore one seven. Check out his show; it's amazing. Has been for a long time. The Sports Hangover, noon to three weekdays in New Orleans. He has been one hundred point three in New Orleans. Uh, all the best, man. I'm glad um, I, I can't. Well, you know what? I have to ask you before we go. Did you have any more yeah. run-ins with Gallo the Rooster? Did he cut you? Because last week, two weeks ago, we heard him. And then yet last week you yeah. said that he, like, you had a serious 
cut from the root from his claw, and your son was like scared of him. Me. I mean, did you yeah. have you yeah, taken care me. of this problem yet? Where are we at with Gallo the rooster? So, uh, Gallo. I'm sorry, Gallo. I know. I, is, sound, I sounded, I sounded like, I sounded no, like somebody that didn't you're take gringo. Spanish that's class. That's You're, you're, you're a gringo. You're gringo. <laughs> I'm sorry. How is, Ga- how is Gallo the rooster? The Gallo um, is in his perch right now. He's in the branch. And you notice he's not cock-a-doodle-doing because he's afraid of me, finally. So apparently after consulting <laughs> with my neighbor's kid who has roosters in his backyard, <laughs> you have to challenge the rooster to let him know who literally is... You know the phrase, the cock of the walk. So what did you do? You have to <laughs> let him know. And I grabbed a rake, mm. you know, makes lots of noise. And, you know, mm. it's plastic. I didn't use the metal one. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we played chase, if you want to call it that, in the yard. And then I might have picked up a stick or two. And, and you know, I, I play baseball. So, Scott, put two Ooh. and two together. So you nailed – you, you basically stabbed him with the rake and batted him with a stick. And he survived, no, and now I, he no longer messes I, with I, you. I, I let him feel the plastic of the rake enough. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I might have had a, a well-placed – Fastball or two with a stick. How heavyweight. scared were you um, when you were doing enough? this? Not at all, because I was ticked off. So it was me or the rooster. You pushed him no to the limit. The rooster was beating. The, the guy versus the cattengale. Dude, if I'm benching 225 and a rooster beats me up, then I'm in trouble. So, I, you know, I just, you know, we all go to what we know. And I, I, I played baseball. So, you know what? I grabbed the stick and I, you know, I, uh, I let him know, my man. We're not going to play this game. You're more than welcome to hang out in the backyard if you want. But when you see me, the dog or the kid in the backyard, what does he do now, Scott? He slaps. And by the way, those things can jump and they can fly really, really well. So he, um, the house behind me has a pool. So he's got, you know, the 12 foot fence and everything. My man gets there in about a half a second. So he sees us. He's, he likes to, in the morning, and I open the dog, the door so the dog can come out in the backyard in the morning. And, and, and he makes a beeline for the corner. He'll, you know, he'll give me go, 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 you know, he's unhappy and he'll scratch the ground and I'll just take a step or two. And then he flops up to the top of the fence and he just, you know, looks at me and he makes some noise and then I'll pick up a stick and then he shuts up. So, you know, the good thing about it is he knows, and that's why he's staring at me right now, but you don't hear him, do you? No, staring right no, you keep, you keep, you, know. you tell him, callate la boca de gallo. Yes, I keep, you, I keep your mouth shut, Brewster. Well, he's still having a better uh, a better morning than uh, than the Pelicans are because uh, you know we covered it we covered it to start the show. For those that missed it, you can hear it on Spotify. Uh, if you're not listening right now on, to the show on demand, negative, but I promise it's, I really have a good weekend coming up. Right, good. Thirty point loss by honest. the Pels, embarrassing defense, is. but the guy is still still he's he got beat up by Gus, but you know what? He's still standing. He's just not. He's not cock-a-doodle-doodling. Well, I appreciate the, the update on DeGaio, and it's I'm glad you take, didn't kill man. him. I, I, fed him. I fed him some seed over to the right. To, and so I'm like, look, man, it's cool. Just the other side of the fence is yours, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's negotiations, man. It, let me tell you what. If politicians negotiated <laughs> the way I negotiate with DeGaio, we might be in a better place. You know what I'm saying? I just let him know what's up, and then I gave him a sign of a peace, an offering, because I, I believe you need to be nice. So, you know, I gave him a little something on the side. On the other side of the fence, like, go eat over here, chill here. You can roost on a tree on the other side of the fence. You just can't come after me. At some point, okay. that, 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 that rooster is going to strike. And um, I just I hope you're still alive afterwards to shoot me a text and say, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, need you, I need help burying a rooster. It was, it was me or him. It came down to it. Can you drive to, to, to Metairie and help me out here? <laughs> All right, Gus. I'll let you run, man. Appreciate the time, brother. We'll uh, we'll be listening to you and uh, and chatting with you soon. All the best. Always a pleasure, man. I'm uh, actually on my phone right now, texting shop Schmedium on the Ingram jersey. Schmedium, you, you kind of you know you're built. Nice, Mar- Mark so. Ingram, uh, no media medium. Yeah. Would, I, dude, I, I I would never wear a Texans jersey, but. Medium. I mean, that's unbelievable. I haven't been to medium since I was like ten. But anyway, that's fine. That's fine. I'll tell. I'll tell. Hey, hey. You know what? Um, I'm short, so that's part of it. I was gonna say you're in heck of a shape. I mean, I you know. I'll tell you. what it is. I'll I'm, take I'm, it. I'm coming to embrace the XL. You know, it's, it's sort of like. Uh, 
you know, it just makes you feel bigger. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not a large man. Give me the XL. You know, just, just, you know you're sizing up. Just whatever, whatever, whether it's whether it's yeah. convincing yourself that XL is perfect or beating up a rooster, whatever <laughs> helps you sleep better at night, my friend. <laughs> bigger is better, Scott. All the best, man. <laughs> the joke to make about, you know, a rooster and a cock and all that, but I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. Don't know it. what you're talking about. I'm not doing it. Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, have a great weekend, my friend. We'll talk again next week. Talk again next week. (laughs) Bye. The Gallo. The Gallo. It's the great Scott show, everybody. Always have fun talking to Gus. We got plenty more in store for you. SDM uh, coach Danny Broussard is going to join me. Seth Lewis as well. Before we go any further, though, I got to remind you guys about the sponsor of the show. Suit up. Suit up. All right, locally owned and operated right here in Acadiana, 3546 Ambassador Caffrey between Rooms to Go and Lafayette Shooters. Why suit up? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's the best prices, the best selection, the best service that you're going to find anywhere. There is no other menswear, right? No other store that sells men's clothing that is locally owned in the area that's all-in-one that has dress, casual, rental, and alterations. Suit up. Men's wear and tux rental shop. You need to rent a tux. I got a wedding coming up. Obviously, that's where you go. You just need a new suit. Obviously, that's where you go. You need something casual. Obviously, that's where you go, right? Suit up. Suit up. Right now, guys, they've got the Southern Marsh brand. Oh, man. I went, I went, look, I went last week. Got a nice Southern Marsh shirt. High-tech fabrics, right? The field-tech fabric in these things just make for an extraordinarily dry fit. Everything Sportsman Paradise, that Southern Marsh, which, by the way, is, is also a Louisiana-owned, Louisiana-born-and-bred company that their, um, their, their, their line is now a suit up. Suit up, suit up. Right now they got specials, two suits for $300 on select suits. Hey, if you go buy a sports coat, you get a free pair of slacks. Just go tell them you heard about it on the Great Scott Show, and they're going to get you suited up because suit up is the absolute best. Mark my word, I give it five-star review. I cannot emphasize it enough. The absolute best. Suit up. Suit up. Proud sponsor of the great Scott Show. Up next, his team will be suiting up, going for a fourth state championship tomorrow at Burton Coliseum when the SDM Cougars play U High. That's tomorrow. Their head coach, Danny Brewstar, is going to join me next. Seth Lewis coming up later. It's the great Scott Show. It's a Friday, baby. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app.